Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. I want to remind people... There is no award for coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers, and frankly, nobody cares. And Dan Weeder. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to Take the North podcast. On your free Odyssey app or for wherever you get your podcasts, I am David Haw from 670 The Score, The Mullen Haw Show, along with Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. We had our bye weekend. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed yours. There was no bear game to frustrate your Sunday or ruin your weekend, but we are here to talk about the Bears as they prepare for the New England Patriots Monday Night Football, another nationally televised game, another opportunity for the Bears to do something that people <laughs> won't criticize or make fun of, but certainly a chance for them to get back on the winning track. Won't be easy out in New England. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? How are you feeling this week? Doing a little bit better, David. Thank you for asking. This is a, uh, a milestone week for beat writers on the Chicago Bears beat because this is the midway point from the start of training camp to locker cleanout day, which is the Monday after week 18. So we've reached halftime of, of the schedule there. And so we've got 12 weeks to go. Uh, the Bears obviously looking to take advantage of this mini buy that they had after the uh, Thursday night game, heading into the Monday night game to get healed up, to get recalibrated, to, to maybe make some moves personnel-wise, to change some things up schematically and see where it can take them. But obviously a, a big week ahead for a team that's going to go back onto a primetime stage for the last time in 2022 and try to put on a better performance than they did against Commanders. There's a lot to- to digest a lot to discuss about Justin Fields, about where the Bears are in their reassessment. According to Matt Eberflus, they're going to take this time to do that. A few housekeeping things. This is obviously Take the North Pod. You know where to find it. You can download, listen. Please subscribe 
as well. You can find Dan Wiederer's work at chicagotribune.com. He's at Dan Wiederer on Twitter. I'm at David Haw on Twitter. Most of you found me over the weekend. Um, a lot of you did. And also, you can find my columns on the Bears on 670thescore.com. We're gonna. This is going to be our early week um, podcast, and then we're going to drop again on Friday morning looking ahead to the Monday night football matchup between the Bears and the Patriots. And, Dan, we have a special guest that we want to get to. And so with no further ado, it's time for our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, so I will let you introduce our guest because <laughs> it goes way back. We both have worked with him, and this is a good chance, but I think this also not only to re- get reacquainted and get caught up, but also this is a good week just to talk big picture about where the Bears are and where they might be headed. Well, you knew when we started this podcast that I had two dream guests for this podcast, and we've already checked them both off before Halloween. The first was Justin Fields. The second is Rich Campbell, right? <laughs> the, the wish list here. And Rich Campbell, obviously my partner on the beat for seven seasons from 2013 through the end of the 2019 season. And he is here this week, David, because he, he actually sat in the sands at Soldier Field to watch Bears Commanders on Thursday night. Rich Campbell, how's it going? It's going great. It's great to see both of you, Dan. I, I would just say you need to readjust your your dream standards. But I'm happy to I'm happy to, to fill the void for you here. Yes, yeah, section section two fifty three, row seventeen, in the north end zone. It was a different vantage point than I had ever had at Soldier Field, but it was a good time to be with the fans and. Check out uh, a football game from a different vantage point there. You told us it was emotional uh, before we started recording. What was emotional about the return to Soldier Field? For Paying you? for it? Was that the emotional part? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that's part of it. And, and the game, in, in that respect, David, lived up to, to all, all of the billing, uh, especially following the Colts' Broncos snooze fest from the week before. This was uh, just about on par with that. And, and, and you know, it was just to – to be around the 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 energy, the spectacle of Soldier Field, and the passion of the Bears fans to be to be sitting among them, you know, I miss that. I miss that in the in the two and a half seasons since I've left the beat and left sports journalism. Um, I'm a, a fan in every sense of the word, uh, you know, a sports fan. Um, so I went up to to cheer on my favorite team. And if you had seen me in section 253, I had my Chicago Tribune hat on. That was the only, uh, that was the only gear I wore. Cause that's, you know, that's who I was, uh, I was supporting. I could have had a score shirt on David. I guess I, I, I never got the swag that, uh, that I needed for that. We've expanded the budget since you left. Rich, okay. Good. After you good. left, just for clarity's sake though, when you say it was your favorite team, just to remind people you grew up in the Washington DC area. So your favorite team was not the Chicago bears. You were there to see on Thursday night. Well, so I had a couple of buddies who are, are big Washington football fans fly in and we made it a whole weekend. You know, David, you know, I and Dan, you know, too, I root for the Maryland Terrapins. They were down at IU on Saturday. We made it a football doubleheader weekend. Very can, nice. can you think of two better games than Commanders, Bears and ter- Terps, Hoosiers? <laughs> uh, but but so um, it I had a couple couple friends text me, you know, asking me if I was watching the the Rich Campbell beat writer bowl for Bears <laughs> Bears Commanders. And I said, yeah, I was there. I, I played it down the middle though. I was there. Uh, you know, kind of takes it out of it. You guys know how it is, but but it was cool to be in it, uh, surrounded by these fans who are showing up on a cold Thursday night to to watch their team to see if their quarterback can progress. Uh, in a season where expectations are prop, what I my sense was properly aligned. I mean, that was the big difference Thursday night is you had a, a Washington team that's 
that's really feeling desperate. They're feeling left behind in their division. And you have a Bears team that, you know, for as much as their fans are, are truly desperate to see progress from Justin Fields, that they understand what the season is about. You know, I was I was driving into Chicago, uh, David, on on Thursday morning, and I heard you and Mully talking to Jeff Joniak. And, and just the baseline of your conversation really set the tone for my, my whole viewing experience there from the Bears side. It's like, look, you know what the Bears are this year. And you can evaluate accordingly. And of course, all eyes on the quarterback, everything running through that. But the Bears showed on Thursday night all of those shortcomings that they're trying to work through in, in year one of a rebuild. So, Rich, a couple questions for you, because obviously you are in some text threads with me, uh, with others who, who are active on the beat and others who are, are uh, not and the beat any longer, but have very strong opinions about things that are happening with the Chicago Bears. I'm just curious, first time live eyes watching Justin Fields play, what are the initial impressions just from from a guy who knows this league well, who knows quarterback development well, and who knows the challenge that's facing this organization and this quarterback? What do you think for one night on a Thursday in October? Yeah, I I think one thing that, that really stood out was, was Justin Fields' tantalizing athleticism. I mean, he has some playmaking instincts that are obvious, especially off script. And just right away, you can understand why an, an NFL scout, an NFL executive would be attracted to him as a quarterback you could build with, build around, just because you can, you know, can you harness that playmaking ability when, when it's third and eight and you're pressured, can he get you 15 on the ground? And the answer to that is, is yes. And so he gives you a chance to win when he's got the playmaking ability and, and it's, it's flowing, but, and you know, as you guys have experienced and, and the fan base certainly has experienced that excitement, that energy, that juice is offset by the misses, particularly in the passing game where whatever instincts really shine athletically, he still is refining those instincts as a passer. And, and by that, I you know, it's everything from some of the fundamentals, some, some missed throws. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Some missed throws, easy yeah. completions that he should have had that really changed the game, but also anticipating receivers downfield can he read defenses of course uh it, it's it's hard to separate you know i'm sitting in the end zone and you're watching the game unfold you see you're seeing route combinations unfold and you realize you know, he's not exactly throwing to the highest caliber of a receiving core here it's hard to separate that but for me it, it you, you go with the ability it's obvious and then all the questions that come after that is so hard to sort through. And you know, I did it for 11 years covering the league and various quarterbacks along the way. And you guys are right in the middle of it with Fields right now. Yeah, and I think that's why when you the cliche potential get, will get a coach fired, and potential has got a lot of coaches fired, and and Justin Fields has that kind of potential that you will forgive a lot of sins and shortcomings and overlook them because of what you described. You know, that athleticism; those are things. You can't coach special. You can't defend it, but you can't really do anything but want to see more of it and try to develop the other skills around him. He's a special runner, but he is also a franchise quarterback, so he needs to be a special passer. That'll happen. So tell me this. So, Rich, everyone in their mind has, like, the ultimate comp or somebody that, he, you know, Justin Fields or any player reminds them of. I was watching Monday night or Sunday Night Football, um, and – the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I talked about this on the radio Monday morning. You know, a, a year ago, 
in Philly, right after they lost in the playoffs to the Eagles, NBC Sports Philadelphia had the headline, Jalen Hurts is probably not the guy. Okay. <laughs> so we've all been there, right? We've all mm-hmm. kind of announced people done and fired or dismissed or cut or whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom, look, you look silly. I think that headline looks silly because now Jalen Hurts is you know, having an MVP-like season. I see parallels between Jalen Hurts in his second season in a football tough market in a team that didn't have all the weapons yet, and but he was progressing. It was painful. He went through a lot. I see parallels between what he did and what Justin Fields still can do. I haven't discounted that possibility, even though I have identified the same types of shortcomings, the same types of flaws that I think we all agree he has, but I'm not sure because of that special aspect that he can't overcome those. Is that ridiculous? No, I, I think that's spot on. Jalen Hurts is the comp that comes to my mind. And and I also extend that back to their collegiate career, you know, the same types of accomplishments, the same type of stage that they were on. And so you, as you compare Fields to, let's say, Mitch Trubisky, the, the predecessor as the highly drafted franchise quarterback, Justin Fields was on a different type of stage in college and had a different level of success just with his program. And I think we came to learn over that time uh, watching Mitch ultimately bust in Chicago that that means something, you know, that that pedigree and that preparation to win at the NFL level means something. I do think the the weapons around Fields are, are worth discussing in the context of his overall development and the amount of time it's going to take. But I also think that there needs to be a baseline of immediate success anymore in the NFL. And in fact, Dan, you were alluding to Zach Zaidman, uh, our, our friend who- I wasn't gonna use his name. I was gonna yeah. let him off the hook, but you no, just no, did it. Right. So, so since you were on the uh, on the COVID list on uh, Wednesday night, I was able to, to talk to Zach a little bit. You know, we, we had dinner at, uh, in his near his new home of Wrigley Field. And we talked about the the, preparation of a quarterback coming to the NFL now. And because there are so many collegiate concepts in NFL offenses, there's a level of preparedness that you expect from a college quarterback now that maybe you didn't 10 years ago. Like when I was covering Robert Griffin uh, with the, with the, Redskins, when he was drafted second overall, that was more novel when you saw some of the RPO concepts come into the league and, and the Shanahan uh, father son duo brought that with Robert to try to set him up for success. Well, now that's a bit of an expectation. And so you expect these quarterbacks to be a bit more fluid early on. And the fact that you haven't really seen that with fields is a huge concern, I think, especially as a passer, because you're not going to get a lot better learning, a, you know, when, when the difficulty setting is on the highest level, like it is at the NFL, at the NFL level, you know, the fastest defenses, the, the smartest coordinators, that type of thing. So I think it's really fair to wonder what he's got, you know, the potential he has that he hasn't shown yet. And you have moments in that game on Thursday night where you're going, if he can't hit that throw now, he's never going to hit that throw. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I mean, I know what you mean very, very clearly. You brought up Robert Griffin, and I think it's a good contrast because David brought up the the premature burial of Jalen Hurts in Philly. Well, there was a premature coronation of, of Robert Griffin in Washington, and you were there during his electric 
rookie of the year campaign takes the 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 Redskins at the time to the playoffs and 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 no one in their in their wildest imagination would have imagined during that season that Robert Griffin would be on the list of of lengthy busts so I'm curious how in retrospect you kind of view that sort of the the, the rush to say yep that's it that's a that's a for sure arrival for a guy and then you see how it pans out and what sort of parameters and conclusions it leads you to draw as you as you try to assess quarterbacks when 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 we all sort of see from two circumstances here that it's a very long game with these things yeah i I think the 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 question that hovers over all of this is how long does it take the jury to deliberate right i mean how long do, do you need to see a quarterback play and try to grow and, and work through his systems, you know, system change in, in Justin Fields' case before you can say one way or the other with confidence, he's your guy, he's not your guy. You know, when Dan, when you and I showed up in Chicago in 2013, Jay Cutler was halfway through his tenure in Chicago. And that was the entire conversation was, what, was he going to get extended, right? Like yeah, that's, I mean, that's it, what yeah. we walked into. And, and it wasn't long before, you know, you and others would say like, look, the jury is in and we know what he is. I don't think the jury's in on Justin and I don't no. think it, it will be by necessarily by the end of this year. I think you can give him chances with a different receiving core, you know, better players around him, more continuity with his scheme to see what he has. I mean, certainly contractually all that, they're going to have that opportunity so we can and we can see that through. But with Griffin, okay, First game of his career, all right? The Washington went down to New Orleans. New Orleans was mm-hmm. coming off a 13 and 3 season. Griffin that day threw for 320 yards, 19 of 26 passing, and he also ran for 42 yards. Okay. I remember he had a deep ball touchdown, didn't he? Somewhere early in that yes, game. Yes, he, he hit Pierre Garcon on an 80 plus yard touchdown. Uh, I actually went back and watched it this morning just, just <laughs> for this. Uh, and the ball was a little high. Garcon went up and made a catch for him. But Griffin took a shot on this on that play. And it's a very famous photo in, in Washington football circles of Griffin, Griffin sitting on his backside with his hands up as Garcon runs into the darkness of the Super Bowl, Superdome end zone. But I remember after that game, we. Report, a couple of reporters and I were standing outside the locker room and we saw Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator, come out and give a massive high five to one of his colleagues. And the takeaway from that moment was Kyle knew after one game, he knew that they had a guy, you know, a guy who could who could challenge defenses, a guy who could pass. The reason it fell apart with Robert was because he got hurt. He got, you know, he tore his ACL at the end of that season and it mixed with um, or I should say it facilitated a personality clash, a power struggle, and some intangibles really caused that situation to crumble. But physically, and, and as a passer, Griffin had it. It's a real shame for that organization that that it didn't you know, just take root as you know a healthy quarterback learning and, and or growing organically. So really, in that instance, it wasn't necessarily you know a premature coordination in the sense that we got it wrong. It was that he got hurt and the circumstances changed. Well, the question that nobody really knows the answer to in Chicago right now with uh, with Justin Fields is is how how loud is the clock ticking at Hallis Hall in terms of we talk about the deliberation period and how long it'll last. You don't know the sense of urgency that they feel to make a decision whether it's at the end of this year, whether they've already agreed that, well, you know what, next year is fair because then they'll have a better offensive line, then they'll have better wide receivers. And you wonder how all of that is impacted by the potential 2023 draft class. I I don't know 
those answers, but I think they're all factored in. But there are signs along the way you guys both have sort of referenced in, in making a decision too quickly either way. Robert Griffin III was RG3 was the the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And then they were wrong about him. Still got it wrong. Yeah, still wasn't the guy. Mitch Trubisky went to the Pro Bowl as an alternate in 2018. We were all there for that. They were wrong about him. He didn't have a special quality, really, overall. I just think that either way, the the only thing that we know about judging a quarterback is what is the hardest thing to do is that – you have to show patience and you have to be able to wait until you draw a conclusion. And it's just painful and awkward along the way because everybody wants an instant answer. Well, David, and, and people, the audience gets frustrated, right? Because they want that instant answer that you mentioned, but they're not really willing to wait for a full body of evidence to, to come to the answer one way or another. And so we get caught in this cycle that we're in now where, uh, you know, like what I said going into this week, we're in week seven now, is, is do the doubters, do the Justin Fields doubters at least have enough patience to to be willing to give Justin 11 more games, right? To see what he does with these 11 more games and figure out if there's any growth in there. And then... Ideally, give them a few more at least in the next season when, as you mentioned, there'll be better better receiving core, better offensive line, better you know continuity in the system and all those things around them. Is our people willing to give that? On the same token, do the true Justin Fields believers have the ability to acknowledge that succeeding at this position on this level to the highest level that people are aiming for is a near impossible task and that you cannot let a quarterback off the hook for every mistake he makes just because deep down in your gut, you want him to be the guy. And so you forgive all sins. Right. And that's where I think you and I have tried to be somewhere in the middle of, of that shouting match and taking bullets from both sides. Uh, but man, it's, it's complicated because there are, there is so much more that needs to be learned before we're ever even close to, to having enough information to cast an informed verdict you can cast any verdict you want early but it may not be informed to the level it needs to be well and and this is where i have a a level of sympathy for the bears fan base because they're just so desperate i I mean the desperation yeah you can can feel it all the way down here in indy that that they just want it so bad they're willing to to assert that they've seen this meaningful tangible jump in progress from two quarters of a game that they didn't even win yeah, I mean, you've got to stack these games and put together a body of work. And, and we went through it with Trubisky as well. He had uh, games where he threw, you know, the Tampa Bay game, Dan, right, where he threw for, what, five touchdowns, six touchdowns. Six uh, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. right. And and it, it ended up being just a flash. So I you think know, you, you had some them. Johnny Lujak lead or something, right? The, uh, probably that sounds like <laughs> something I would write. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no no references to Sid Luckman. Just, we, we just went straight for, for Johnny. Yeah, right. But, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that – the patience is difficult. It, it really is when you've starved as long as, as the Bears fan base has. But you, you've got to try to see this clearly without bias. And if you go back to Fields' game on Thursday night, as usual, there were a lot of plays to like. And there were a lot of plays that you didn't like. And when you lose, the ones that you don't make are the ones that stand out. And, and there were certainly a few of those um, on the positive side. You know, I, one of the things I was saying to my, my buddies in the stands is like third down, you know, it's third down and long. It's like the worst thing that Washington can do on third and long here is get pressure because fields is going to make something happen. He's going right. to go off script and he's going to create. And that, that's a great trait to have as a quarterback, but it can't be your best trait. You've yeah, got to right. be able to, to, to be that passer. And he's not there yet. 
why any defensive coordinator would play man coverage against the Bears because the threat is not getting beat by a wide receiver. The threat is turning your back and letting the quarterback take advantage of that, tuck it and run it and gain 25. So I don't know why they would play anything but zone, but Rich and, and, and Dan. So when you look at, you know. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're trying to be rational here, and we're trying to be, you know, patient, wait, and all those things. The only thing that I find myself even like, you know, not criticizing myself, but like thinking about making sure you don't get carried away is that, you know, along the way, as we're being rational, you can't, you can't discount the possibility that he's developing bad habits. So that's almost, you wonder if the, how counterproductive it is because while you're waiting and while we're patiently seeing and boy, they need to get an offensive line next year and boy, they need to add a wide receiver and free agency by then will he be ruined by the point of by, because of everything that's happening now i don't know if that's the case i want to think no because i do think he has athleticism and you know whatever but i don't also know what it, what damage that they might be doing by throwing him out there each and every week and that's where i understand some coaches are like, well, you know, back in the good old days, we used to wait until they were ready. And I wonder what damage they're doing because I don't know if he's ready for this, given the circumstances around him. Yeah, you're, you're looking specifically at his pocket presence, whether he's dropping his eyes and looking at the pass rush rather than keeping his eyes downfield. I mean, because when he's under pressure, he's going to understandably rely on those on those instincts. But the, the signs you're looking for, you're hoping for, if you're a Bears fan, is whether his eyes are up, whether he's you know, moving within the pocket and he's comfortable with the rush around him, feeling it and making throws. You, you don't see that consistently. One one line uh, from, from my Chicago sports days that has always stayed with me was a line from Joe Madden uh, talking about his teams with the Cubs would, would were dedicated to the relentless execution of fundamentals. And I always thought that was an, is a really nice way to put something that could be taken almost as a given, you know, like a, like a, an afterthought. Yeah. We're going to take care of the fundamentals. We're going to field every ground ball. We're going to hit every swing pass to the flat. You know, we're going to hit the tight end on a, on an open, you know, little three yard layup there. Justin Fields does not relentlessly execute the fundamentals. He doesn't, he bounces throws, he misses throws. He doesn't anticipate him. He has to clean that up before he can take the next step. A Joe Madden reference. Wow. You, didn't see, you see why he was on my dream I, guest list here, I, I know, exactly. I thought you were going to say, try not to suck. <laughs> well, that one, that's another good one. That's that, a good one. They both apply, right? And so, yeah. so listen, 
David, we used to have a segment on the original Bear Download podcast called That's Just Stupid. I know you were a loyal listener and you remember it. So oh, Rich yeah. just brought up the play that I think we have to revive the That's Just Stupid uh, conversation for this podcast today because that missed tight end throw to, to uh, Ryan Griffin in the end zone on Thursday night is one that has been talked about in uh, social media circles more than any cut and dry play that I've ever seen in my life. And so I, I I'm going to take the couch here and you guys can talk me off the couch here, but okay. I, I'm just stunned because the hyper analysis on this one play, right? We, we all determined in the moment, perfectly executed play, perfectly designed play. Rather, you've got the fake inside handoff to Khalil Herbert, the fake end around to Equinemius St. Brown, the tight end leaks, and all of a sudden is open by two and a half yards. Your quarterback is unpressured in the pocket. And all he has to do is make a nice little throw to the tight end who catches it. Do I wish Ryan Griffin ran the route better? Yes, I do. Right. We, we now we have gotten frame by frame analysis from, from people all across the country, including folks like Trent Dilfer on the score, saying that Ryan Griffin didn't run with proper mechanics. Right. OK, fine. Given didn't run with proper mechanics, didn't get out to the spot fast enough, didn't get there. The quarterback missed him by like three yards. I think Ryan Griffin got the very uh, outreach of his middle finger to barely touch the ball. And if we are in a state where the people on the pro field side of the conversation cannot acknowledge that that was a misthrow and a mistake by the quarterback, I think we're doomed and I think we're lost. Trent Dilfer, David, went so far as to say he didn't even put a minus on his grade sheet for that play for Justin because he was so upset with the way Ryan Griffin ran the route. I lost my mind. My head exploded. You can see it exploding right here on this podcast. And I need you to tell me how we make sense of this conversation if we're going to get stuck in a four-day conversation about a play that's like that. Well, I have a ton of respect for Trent Dilfer. Me too. I think, I think he's tremendous. But I wouldn't mind if he were the auditor doing my taxes uh, for the IRS. Because I, if, I said the other day I want him to do every one of my performance I, reviews, and I want him as yeah, my defense attorney. I mean, exactly. Uh, Rich, I'll let you attack that because I, I, I tend to agree with Dan wholeheartedly, and, and I just – it has – Justin agrees me. with me. He said, I'm an NFL quarterback. I've got to hit right. that throw. <laughs> It, what's the saying? Like if it if it looks like a pig and it smells like a pig, and then it's a, it's a pig, right? I mean, we're we're not talking about brain surgery here or nuclear physics. We're talking about football, and it's it, it's at a base level, it's it's very simple, right? You you run, throw, tackle, block, catch. You throw to a guy who's standing in the end zone, or you know, running in the end zone, uh, an easy little five yard lob. The game was too big for him in that moment. He missed the throw under the lights. The game was too big for him. That, that's a really interesting way to put it. I, I, I don't disagree either, and I, I guess I'm surprised by that. If that were a tackle-eligible play, you, you wouldn't be blaming the route. I mean, it was the same type of thing. You've got to be able to have the touch, and you got to be able to slow down your breathing or whatever <laughs> the case. You know, we all laugh at the breathing exercises, but you know what? In that moment, you saw why he needed them. Justin Fields is such a confident young man, and he's such a, a, a gifted athlete. But I think that I'm surprised he goes from Georgia to Ohio State, the first-round pick. He looks confident on Instagram. He's missed, He's charismatic. And I just think sometimes anxiety affects his accuracy. And, and I just he, he's aiming the ball, or his mechanics are off, or he's taking his eyes down because I think he panics a little bit. And that surprised me. And that is one play out of many this season, but it underscores just how his inability to 
to channel or to control that anxiety, I think, affects him in ways that hurt him accurately. There's a camera angle of that play from behind. And I think it's that camera that's on the wires that goes up and down the field in some of these night games. And, and I mean, you have a view from behind Justin Fields' helmet of just how open this receiver is and how much room there is in every single direction to put that ball somewhere where it can be caught. The fact that your receiver only got the, the outstretched tip of one finger on it is is it's it's dumbfounding to me. And, and the idea that we could let him off the hook because the tight end had his junk face in the wrong way and wasn't <laughs> Running, running properly. It's just I just don't I don't know how we can have productive conversations if if we're going to do this. Like you want your starting quarterback. If you want your starting quarterback to become Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or uh, you know Tom Brady, you want him to be like a heart surgeon, right? And 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 if a heart surgeon goes, oh, oops, oops, I missed that one. Sorry about that. Well, well, now you're in trouble, right? You're in big big trouble because you just nicked a, a key artery and now there's blood gushing everywhere. And so I think that. People in the outside world have to understand the demands of playing this position at the level that they want to play it at. And that doesn't mean he, he can't make mistakes. But my goodness, when, when they're like that and we can't agree that it's a mistake, we're just doomed. We're doomed. And I, as you can tell, I'm getting fired up again. The, the intellectual dishonesty of that rationale is off the chart and it's not productive. Justin Fields and any self-respecting college quarterback high school quarterback will tell you they have to hit that throw because you've got a feel for the game because you've got command of the moment because you're the guy you just it's it's intellectually dishonest to say otherwise and you have to it's a full stop right there because otherwise you're right dan you cannot have a productive conversation or, or analysis of his development you, you Rich, just can't we don't want to keep you all day but i do want to get your input on this last uh point so ha having the perspective of somebody who did the job as well as anybody did you know, until you left in 2019, and now you're out of the business and you have the perspective of taking a step back the 35,000 foot view, specifically when it comes to quarterback evaluation, quarterback analysis, whether it's you know print anymore, sort of a misnomer, but whether it's digitally or on, um, on television, whatever, how would you describe how it's changed? Because, you know, everybody's got their expert. Everybody's got their guy. We can all watch the All-22, and everybody's got their opinion about what should have played or what, what should have happened, what shouldn't have happened. You know, PFF has changed the way we evaluate offensive linemen. In terms of quarterback play, how have you seen the evaluation, the analysis, and the critique of the position change from your perspective? I think it's probably just become more either complex or complicated. And, and to that point, probably overcomplicated. Like at some point, the, the ball don't lie, right? I mean, the, that Justin Fields pass is bouncing on the south end zone of Soldier Field, and then it's third down, right? And you, you don't really need to know more than that, right? you, you know? And look at Josh Allen and the Bills yesterday and what he did at the end of that game against against the Chiefs the arm talent is out of this world with Josh Allen and you saw it win a game. And, and so ultimately I think the results, you can almost reverse engineer this analysis. Like the results are going to give you the firm ground to stand on. And then you can kind of work your way back through it and see, Oh yeah, you know what? He's got great pocket presence. He's got unique athletic gifts. He's got that leadership quality and command of the game. Whereas if you're in a position like we were with Trubisky, like you guys are now with Fields, where you're just micro hyper analyzing every little play, you know what? That's the sign that he doesn't have it right. Like it, it doesn't need to be this great mystery. 
and it's become overcomplicated because look, you know, we love talking about it. It's 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 <laughs> it's, it's it's the essence of building it's, a it's successful key, NFL it's team. It's the key to you unlocking to what it. they're trying to unlock. Yeah, yes, you have to get this right. So of course it's hyper scrutinized, but it but ultimately. For all the the capabilities we have to do the analysis, like you said, David, that all 22, you've got high school coaches, college coaches who can put up a clip on Twitter and narrate over it. You've got ESPN talking heads who can do the same thing. They're not in the huddle. They're not in these game plans, but they still know concepts. They can talk you through it. Ultimately, it shouldn't be that hard to diagnose if it's if the guy's successful, if he's that guy. You just see it and you know it. Read you a quote from Justin on Thursday night. When the play is there, make it plain and simple. I'm putting that on a T-shirt. Let's do that. Let's put that on obvious shirts and let's roll with it. One last thing, Rich, before we cut you loose. Uh, we are going back to Foxborough, Massachusetts this uh, this weekend. The game is on Monday night, obviously. The last time the Bears played there in the regular season was 2014. And in 60 seconds or less, what do you remember about the 2014 game at Gillette Stadium? I've got some things pulled up here in case I need to refresh it. Okay. Oh, I, I think it was it was 21 points in like 46 seconds. What, what was 50, the exact? 57 seconds. 50 seconds, seven seconds. At the end I of the first remember, half. I remember Brandon Marshall going deep at the end of that game, coming off the field and, and waving his way out. And then there was some type of verbal exchange with someone after Mr. the game. David. I was going to say, I think it was David. Yes, you have a good memory. All right. So, so Brandon Marshall <laughs> wave, waves himself out of the game, right? Everyone remembers mm-hmm. that when they were getting beaten badly. He goes into – so he comes out of the game. And after the game at his locker, I asked Brandon Marshall about that play, implying that he was maybe dogging it a little bit. Everyone was thinking what I was saying, right? Oh, 100%. And that, 100%. Was, that was the – that's whack, bro. That's, that's it. That's whack, bro. He came at me. That's whack, bro. So that's where that was born. And thank you for that kind that memory. I did not know it was that long ago. Wow. Right. So so here's a couple other memories from that day. Lamar Houston tears his ACL, <laughs> suffering, his celebrating his first sack of the year, if I'm not mistaken, against Jimmy Garoppolo, who was in because the Patriots were well on their way to a 51-23 <laughs> thrashing. And Tom Brady was already having dinner with Giselle at the time that Lamar was unblocked, by the way. Didn't even beat a rusher, just was a free runner. And, and, and Jimmy fell down and he touched him. And then he tried to do the dumbbell celebration tore his ACL. I'm going to go through the, the quick rundown of those 56 seconds for you guys. So Brady hits Rob Gronkowski for a two-yard touchdown pass. Uh, the Bears go three and out quickly on the very next possession. Julian Edelman returns a punt for 42 yards. On the very first Patriot snap, Brady hits Brandon LaFell for a nine-yard touchdown. The Bears get the ball back after a kickoff touchback. Jay Cutler does some wild, crazy stuff in the pocket, tries to throw a ball underhanded, fumbles it. Rob Ninkovich picks it up, runs it into the end zone for a 15-yard touchdown. 21 points in a 57-second span. And late in the first half, the Patriots went to halftime ahead 38 to 7. You guys also remember what happened next. The Bears went on their bye week after that, came back the following week at Lambeau Field and got hit with a 42 spot in the first half at Lambeau Field. And that was the end of the entirety of the Matri- or the Mark Tressman era uh, midway through the 2014 season. That's whack, bro. That's whack, bro. That's, <laughs> whack, bro. that's it. Oh, man, that's awesome. Hey, Hopefully don't you guys remember that before that game? Wasn't it before that game that Lamar Houston came out like shirtless? And it was cold, and he was like three. We did that every game, no, ma- no, no matter when it was. He'd be okay. he'd be shirtless, and it'd be no matter how cold it was. Yeah, he'd be out there without a shirt on, and uh, yeah, obviously you want to make sure that uh, your celebrations are kept in the confines well, of what what the moment deserves. That, you 
guys remember it well. That 2014 team had a lot of standards for absurdity. And it's a was, whole separate podcast, yeah. and I'm happy to do it because late in this year, we maybe need to, to do an absurdity <laughs> podcast because I've got several moments from that year that I will never forget and would love to detail for our audience. Rich, you can come back. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> That's one thing I can speak about is all the bad ball we saw, the, the numerous <laughs> starting quarterbacks, the missed opportunities, even when you thought you were ready to – to crown them, they, they fell apart. Uh, you talk about, you know, right, Griffin won rookie of the year and, and fell out. You had a coach, coach of the, the year, year didn't Maggie, even yeah. get to his – yeah, didn't even get to his second contract with the team. Just uh, what a league. Rich, before we let you go, let people know what you're doing now and just um, – it, it was great catching up. I think a lot of people probably hear your voice and remember your work and are just like, boy, we missed that guy. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. It's just being on here and talking with you guys uh, makes me miss this quite a bit. And not that I don't realize that every Sunday, every time uh, you know I get a text or you know see a headline or a tweet come through. But yeah, just working that corporate America life and uh, made that decision that everyone in sports journalism makes at some point, whether to stay in or, or leave. And so David, I'm, David and I are, are now like Hoosier kindred spirits. My my son the other day made some reference to, you know, we're from Indiana, you know, I'm from the East coast and it, it couldn't be more random for me to, that I live in Indiana and, and my, for my son to say like, Oh yeah, we're from Indiana. But Oh my gosh, we are from Indiana. Aren't we? Yeah, here we are. You're, you're raising a polite young man. I can guarantee right. you that. That's right. That's right. Well, I can tell you, it's great to talk to you and see you. And I can tell you, I think of you and Dan, every time I order an Uber, since you guys were responsible for having Uber added to my phone back in the day, that's how out of date I was before you guys helped uh, modernize me. I can picture the, st yeah, the street corner in Houston where, where David took his first successful Uber and the childlike giddiness that he had when the license plate on his phone matched the license plate of the guy who pulled up at the corner. I've never seen excitement like that in my life. Oh, the only thing funny. you can compare to is like the kids on Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. They're like so excited. Yeah. And then Rich, we got the text from David after he made it home. Like, it worked. It actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked. Oh, boy. All right. That's Thanks great. for you guys jumping take care. on, Rich. You take care, and we will be back in touch with you at some point. See you, buddy. You guys, keep up the good work. Thank you. Rich Campbell, former beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, contributor to 670 to score, all-around good guy. And uh, just that was that was a lot of fun, Dan. Let's, uh, let's wrap things up with our final segment. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, 
every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I think that when you watch the Bears on Thursday night, knowing they had the weekend off, you look forward to kind of – everybody watches the NFL through the prism of, of the team they're mo- around the most, right? So very Chicago yeah. approach to, the, to week six. Packers losing should make the Bears feel a little bit more regretful about what happened in Lambeau. Vikings winning – Maybe similarly, Dan, bottom line is taking the North isn't the same thing that it meant in August that it th- I think it means today. This is a division that if the Bears could get their act together, it would be there for the taking. Well, you said the word regretful, and my first thought was hopeful, right? Like this this, this should be something that Bears fans are celebrating because Aaron Rodgers does not look like Aaron Rodgers. He's got a lot of things going wrong around him, right? As all Chicago Bears fans know, if the quarterback doesn't have proper uh, support from the receiving core in the offensive line, things are going to look a little bit rougher. But, David, I was astounded on Sunday afternoon, even with that game sort of starting in a driving rainstorm, that the Packers never found their footing. We're so used to the Packers coming off a rough loss or a rough stretch. And, and getting back into Lambeau Field and having one of those days where there's just some point in some quarter where they just hit for 20 points, right? And it's just boom, 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 boom. Rodgers is in full command. They're they're playing the polka. They're doing all the other stuff at Lambeau Field. Guys are jumping in the stands, and you're just like, yeah, that's the Packers. Against the Jets of all opponents at home, they couldn't get it going. They couldn't find it at any point in that game. And the game ends with Jordan Love taking the final drive and not and failing nonetheless because the Packers are down 17 points and Rodgers has taken such a beating and he's got problems with his hand and he's gotten hit at the end of the first half. And you just looked at it and you go, wow, you know, never with guys like Rodgers, Brady, et cetera, do you do you send out the, you know, the, the wake invitation early, right? Like, so no, by no means am I proclaiming that the Packers are done here, but there was certainly evidence there that there's not much left Right. And maybe I'll be wrong come late January with this conversation. But you go, whoa, that does not look like a championship contending team right now. And if that's the case and the doors are opening wide in the division, then you now have to have some hopefulness and some urgency to get your stuff going because the window may be wide open soon. Because the offense looks like it's struggling. The defense needed to be great. And it's been only good. And I know that's a subtlety, but that that's a big difference. And I just don't know if you feel like the, the gap is. Uh, as far away as it once seemed, if you can do certain things. And I think almost how it affects the thought process at house. I do wonder, Dan, not necessarily if that would make them more impatient. I think it might make them more patient to wait for something to happen with Justin Fields because, as we know, if you change quarterbacks and give up prematurely on this guy at the end of this season, you are setting yourself back a couple years at least. You're going back to the starting line. You're going back to reset. You're starting all over again. And I think that you may be able to talk yourself into some some things. And it's just something to keep an eye on. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was obviously the comparisons during Giants week were always to Brian Dable, no Shane, the the regimes, the mirror images as we referred to them at the time. Do you think Brian Dable gave the Bears a good, long, hard look in retrospect or vice versa? I guess what I'm asking, worst case scenario, did he look at Justin Fields and think, I don't want any part of that? 
and he's going to go to the Giants where he felt like it was a more complete roster. He had at least a special player in Barkley. I, I don't know. I'm just asking this because the as much success of that as that tandem has had early on, I have to wonder why he didn't get more consideration in Chicago. Well, I would say this, David. I would say that that in January, if you were talking to folks around the league and you say, who would you rather take a swing on? Would you rather jump into a job with Justin Fields or jump into a job with Daniel Jones? I think most people would say, man, there's a lot to be tantalized with in Justin Fields. Let's at least take a, a swing at that. And in and, and any position like that, if you're a head coach, you're going to get a chance to to correct the guy that's there. And then ultimately, if it doesn't work out, you say he wasn't our guy and you get to choose another one. Right. And so I don't know uh, why Brian Dable would have been more enticed by the New York opportunity than he would have been by Chicago. As we talked about during Giants week, I just think that there were there were very legitimate questions to be asked, like you just did on on why did the Bears not give him more consideration, given his most recent track record with helping the Bills go to where they've gone to now. And now, obviously, you see the early returns in New York and you go, wow wow, that team is is really playing with a level of execution and belief that is to be taken taken attention of, right? Like, you need to pay attention to the Giants right now. And, and look, like, again, we're not going to prematurely crown anyone, but certainly Brian Dable's off to a great start. And and, and your guy, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, in a similar regard as we, in the conversation to take in the North, look what the Vikings have done to get started here. They are That's a legitimate awesome. division championship contender right now, and their schedule will get harder, and they'll have more, more uh, obstacles to avoid. But my goodness, like, they are are now in the driver's seat of the division and they have to, to, to continue playing that way. I find that easier to understand because of the weaponry that they have and the yeah. talent that exists on that roster. No doubt. For whatever reason, Mike Zimmer would began to get tuned out in Minnesota and there's a lot that goes into that, but it's, a, it's going to be a division that may unfold and that race may unfold. Not, un, not, not in a way that we expected. All right. The other thing, Dan is okay. So bears related back to the practice field, uh, some things to take care of. Any injury situations that bear monitoring this week and Keel Harry maybe back in the mix. Uh, what do you expect uh, briefly at Hallis Hall? Look, I would expect Nikhil Harry to have some form of role. I don't think it's uh, going to be a huge role going into this Monday night game against the Patriots, but we've established now that this receiving core needs help. They need guys that Justin can look at and say, I'm going to take a shot here and give him a, a 50-50 ball that he can go win. And so you would expect Nikhil Harry to be on the field and capable of catching a couple of passes on Monday night. Uh, I think we're going to be very interested to see what the injury report looks like this week. It'll be Thursday afternoon, not until uh, late Thursday that we'll get that with the Monday night game. But, you know, how healthy and fresh are the Bears after the long bye and after what was a, a pretty brutal performance against the commanders, both in performance and and just the, the physical extent of it. Right. Like Justin was taking shots left and right. You know, you had two uh, interior offensive linemen leave the game for a few snaps because they needed to get worked on a little bit. So there's a lot to, to keep an eye on with this injury report. And then more than anything this week to me is hearing from Matt Eberflus and his staff about the the changes they considered and the changes they ultimately enacted, because I think there, there was a level of de determination last Friday to say, let's look at this really hard and see what kind of changes and corrections we can make to try to get back on the right track. Now they owe us an explanation for what they did and why they did it. Bullet points that I'm looking for the next time or what we'll talk about when we get back together at the end of the week. Number one, who's the left tackle? Braxton Jones did not have a good night against the commanders. I'm curious to know if they will address that. Who's the center? Is Lucas Patrick healthy enough to snap the ball? Let's wait and see. What do they do at receiver and Keel Harry? 
uh, might be in with Smith Marset? Would he be out? What's he here for? Right. Um, and the other thing, Valus Jones. Valus punt they, returner. Yeah. What will they do with Valus Jones? The punt returner. Dante Pettis is there. And then Dan. What I want to talk about Friday too. It doesn't have a lot to do with good news with the Bears, but it is historic on Monday night. Bill Belichick will have a chance with a victory to pass George Hallis, and that is no small thing when you're talking about what that means not only to the NFL but in New England, but also with the Chicago Bears. Think we can get Belichick on the pod for a little while to talk about that milestone? Hey, you got Rich Campbell. Why can't you get Bill <laughs> Belichick? I mean, both guys are kind of in the same stature, you know, inaccessible. But, hey, I thought Rich was, uh, was pretty good for a guy that usually doesn't have a very good sense of humor. One last note for you. No doubt about that. I spent a lot of time with Rich over uh, over over the years and still do on occasion. But uh, one last little note from my weekend. I, I was out at a uh, Glenview AYSO Youth House League soccer tournament, and I'm getting ready for the first game of that soccer tournament. My, my nine-year-old son is playing, and I see a familiar face ride up on a bike and, and prop up his bike against one of the goals on the north side of the, the park. I look up. It's George McCaskey. Chicago Bears chairman George McCaskey there to officiate the Glenview AYSO tournament. Uh, he came walking down the sideline. And I said, George, George. Oh, hello. What are you doing here? And I said, what am I doing here? I've got a nine-year-old kid playing in the game. What are you doing here? For those who don't know, George still is active as an umpire and a soccer official in, in youth sports around the area. And he made his appearance Sunday in my son's uh, youth soccer tournament, actually refereed the second game uh, of, of my son's uh, day. And my, my son scored a late goal to tie it with only a matter of seconds left, David. And I, I pulled George over after I said, I said, look, like you're the official timekeeper there. Did you le- keep a couple extra seconds on there so that we could get the equalizer? And he said, you can never stop a player on a breakaway. <laughs> but I think we had a timer on our sideline. It was, it was a goal scored with about 20 seconds left, but it was a, it was a cool moment. And there were a lot of parents there who were like, is this, is this really the Bears chairman uh, uh, officiating these soccer games here? And uh, indeed it was. And so a, a thrill for some of the folks in the, the Glenview, Glenview AYSO. I don't know if I'm violating a, a, a confidence in revealing that, but George was out there. So it's a, you know, it's a, a public he, he event. He does. He's done that for years, I believe. I think yeah. he's done. I didn't realize he did it that far north. I thought it was maybe in some of the southern suburbs, but um, that is who he is. So that's consistent. By the way, your son has had one heck of a summer or fall because he got the first pitch off the mound at Wrigley Field, and now he's scoring last-second goals. My goodness sakes! Who are you raising there? The week before that, he also had a uh, game-winning fourth, fourth and forever touchdown catch uh, for the Patriots to beat the Colts in the flag football league. So that was a, that was a fun moment as well. He had a, he had the big, they get they give out a big Patriot chain to the you know the game breaker at the end. He got that for a week, did, and uh, so we'll see where it's going. Did anybody know George was who George was? Did they bother him? Did they taunt him? Did they applaud him? What what was the reaction uh, like? People, no, people did know who he was. I got pictures later in the afternoon from the team that won the tournament where George I. I think he officiated the final game uh, of that division's championship and they took a picture the whole team with the, the championship and they had George in, in the picture with him. So he was willing and generous and with his time and, 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 in, and sharing himself with the masses there. So uh, we, we've it, both been at away games. We both have seen him walk around the stadium, shaking hands with bears fans who traveled to see them. We all, I, I've toured the South lot with them. If you yeah. remember that story uh, back a couple of years ago, and he is, I see him when I'm pulling into the Waldron lot uh, before games. I just saw him Thursday night. He is among the people. So as much 
as the McCaskies receive criticism for sell the team and don't go to Arlington Heights or whatever the case, George McCaskey is a man of the people. And I've always respected that. And I have, he's also a huge sports fan. I have attended a Hawks game with him where he's high-fiving people and he's just a Chicago sports fan. He did threaten before the game that he was going to give my son a yellow card. And I said, he probably deserves it. So go ahead and pull that out if you need to. Uh, as I also mentioned with the night game on Sunday night, you know, Jerry Jones was also out in Texas uh, officiating youth soccer games as well on Sunday morning. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think those guys have a lot in common. Yeah. 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 Of yep. course. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, concludes uh, episode 20. This is our 20th episode. Happy anniversary. And we will be back on Friday. This is the Take the North podcast. You can get it on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Download, listen, and subscribe. It's been a lot of fun so far, and it's going to just get they're just getting started here because uh, the seventh game of the season, next Monday night against the Patriots, that's going to be uh, a, a great challenge for the Bears, but also a great opportunity. Dan, anything else before we go? No, I think we got to, you know, we're on to, we're on to New England. We're on to New England. So we got to get on to New England. Good imitation. <laughs> All right. For Dan Weeder and Adam Stadzinski, thank you to Rich Campbell. I'm David Haw. You've been listening to the Take the North podcast. Thanks for listening. Great talk. See you out there.